We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The score! Kevin Fishbane. I got fishy business. Okay, Fishbane. Fishy business? Fishy business. Well, I call him whenever I have him on the show. Fishy business. Bears beat writer for The Athletic. I just try to work hard and tell good stories. I should also note, I know the sports caster of the year for Illinois is no longer covering Illinois team, and I am not leaving to cover the Detroit Lions. All right, well, good. Kevin Fishbane talking Bears. Hey, Kevin. Uh, Kevin Fishbane from The Athletic. I love your name. It's a great name. Yeah, great name. On Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. I believe Ray Diaz called our next guest the only fish you need if you're observing Lent. Because this guy's got you covered. <laughs> I don't <know>. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing the second time. Hey, man, I, I grew up, I'm Mexican, so I grew up Catholic, so I can make those jokes, you know? Kevin How do you Fishbane feel about that, Kevin? <laughs> is on Twitter at K Fishbane, the Bears writer for The Athletic, is with us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, CircaLasVegas.com, and twitch.tv slash Chicago670 to score. What's up, Kevin? How are you? What's up? That's a new one, but I trust Ray with everything, so I love it. Wow. I, I appreciate the circle of trust here. I feel like we're a happy, functional show. We've, we, we t- I think, spent our first hour talking about. Eddie Jackson and Cody Whitehair, and I think it's respective of how much time they've spent successfully with the Bears. Kevin, this is these are two significant players on a and two significant roster cuts. Yeah, yeah. I remember when we talked to Eddie Jackson ahead of the 2022 season. I kept thinking about um the the Fresh Prince of Bel Air gif with Will Smith staying alone in the room, looking around. Like that was Eddie. In, in the locker room, like everybody was gone, especially after the Roquan Smith trade. And, you know, the same could be said kind of for Cody Whitehair, just everybody was gone. And those two survived a lot of changes from coaches to GMs to coordinators to teammates around them, and, and they withstood it. And, you know, I I, th- I felt like the conversation about them is almost more nostalgic, you know, because I don't, we obviously expected these moves. They're kind of the right moves when you look at the cap situation and, what those guys were going to schedule to make next year. Um, but look, when when the Bears were at their best in the past decade, you look at that 2018 season, and Eddie Jackson was unbelievable that year, and Cody Whitehair was a Pro Bowl alternate and, and had one of his best seasons. So, you know, I, I think it's just kind of the official closing the door of that era. And, and now it's kind of wild that among the starters, the longest tenured player on the team is Cole Komet. I mean, that's it, and that tells you everything. And he's he's one guy who this regime actually extended before the season, as we know. When it comes to, I think, Eddie Jackson, one of the things that I thought was more impressive, and I said it earlier, was that he did play better after having a couple of seasons where there was a downward trajectory. And then, you know, he talked all about Daquan Brisker helping uh, – you know, wanting to help him. And I made the joke that, yeah, because it takes some of the responsibility off of Eddie. But it really did work out in a positive way for everyone. Yeah, I mean, Lila, if Eddie doesn't get hurt in 2022, he's probably going to the Pro Bowl that year. He had four interceptions. 
And he really bought in to what Matt Eberflus was selling. And, and, you know, when you looked at how much money he was making, he could have kind of been like, look, man, you're stuck with me. I'm making all this money. I'm just going to do what I want. And that's not what he did. You know, he would invite Jaquan Brisker to his house to to work with him, to to watch film, to train. Uh, he was just the, the, he really flipped a switch, I think, from the Eddie we saw when things were really struggling for him, 2019, 20, and 21, just a different guy in 2022. And this year, he was just the guy, and, and you guys have seen this as people who have gone through locker rooms. You always have that one player you can just count on, win or loss, that you could just talk to, whether it's on the record, off the record. And he became that guy this year for us. So we're obviously going to have a little bias to that. Um, and it was weird that as the defense took off, he only had that one interception in Cleveland. Um, but, you know, yeah, I, I think that his play improved when Ibrufus got here. And, and it's a testament to, to him and, and to his professionalism. And, and yeah, I mean, it's uh, it was an outstanding career he had here in Chicago. I'm not sure why I think this, but I, I don't think the Bears are going to have a difficult time replacing Eddie Jackson. I'm actually confident that they're going to find somebody good enough or, or, or really good at that spot. I can't say I feel the same about the center position simply because it is a function of having a defensive-minded head coach and having this much turnover on the offensive side of the ball. I don't know what Shane Waldron values. I don't know what positions are important to him as he prioritizes the way he envisions the offense. And I'm just, I don't know how those conversations are, are going to occur. Is that fair to have these concerns? Yeah, I think so, Daniel. The similarity of the two positions are they are both in that kind of middle range when it comes to, if like in, in free agency, for example. I think Antoine Winfield's the guy at safety. But after that, like you're not talking about big money. When you look at the centers in free agency, you're not talking about having to spend a ton of money to get one of the best centers available. You go to the draft, you know, there's a one or two guys who might go at the end of the first round at center, but otherwise these are positions you're looking at in day two in the second or third round, and you can find a guy who can start for you. So in the one hand, they're, they're important positions, but they're not ones you, you should need to spend premium resources. The other thing though is they're two of the bears biggest needs. Right. So, and they have the resources, what they want to splurge, and do something they can. Yeah, I'm interested to meet. We're supposed to meet Shane Waldron next week, and that may be something that comes up. You know, what what are some of the things he looks for? Because we kind of had a bit of a mold of the offensive linemen they liked the last two years. I would imagine it's pretty similar because I think the scheme is pretty similar. It's the same offensive line coach. Um, but that's something we'll learn because that, like, you can make the argument that if you, depending on what you feel about Braxton Jones. Like you can go full optimism and say, hey, I, I really like what Braxton Jones is doing. We love Tevin Jenkins when he's healthy. Nate Davis, full offseason, you know, healthy, uh, had a obviously a rocky year. We can maybe see what his potential is. And we know what Darnell Wright is. You could be one piece away. Like, again, that's the kind of the full optimistic view of that offensive line, which makes you feel good. Like that's the one spot. It's an important spot, but the Bears do have the resources to put a lot into that if they want to. Isn't the uh, Seahawks center a free agent? Isn't that a possibility? Yes, I believe so. And, and, and that's the thing too, Layla, with the centers. Like I've, I've gone through the list and like they're all fine players. Like you're not going to necessarily get a pro bowler there. You don't, but again, you don't need to. Just get somebody who 
understands this scheme, is going to work well at the quarterback, is going to make the right calls at the line, uh, and is going to just kind of fill in and not be a liability, right? Like you just, you don't need to get, you don't need to get the best guy. You can get someone that's really solid and serviceable. And, and frankly, that's what, when Cody Whiter was his best, that's what he was. He was just a good, solid, reliable, durable player. And I don't think anybody's questioning either one of these moves. I say Eddie Jackson's time came to an appropriate end. Cody Whitehair's time came to an appropriate end. You don't always get to say that in the NFL, but to me, nobody's clamoring for those guys to necessarily stay. It's more of like an appreciation and a mutual parting. Yeah, for sure. You know, look, I mean, with the Cody Whitehair thing, we knew it when he got benched. Like, that was it. He was done. Um, with Eddie, there might have been a pause just because – you know, Cody had already lost his starting spot. So you, you knew regardless of what they were going to do with him, they had to go find a starting center. But Eddie, you can kind of hem and haw a little bit and say, well, they do have the cap space. Do they try to renegotiate? Do they try to bring him back on a smaller salary? But, you know, Eddie himself, I mean, he can just go get a one-year deal from a contending team that has the type of scheme that's going to play well for him and get more money than the Bears would be willing to pay him. So, yeah, you know, you, you could have sit there and, and thought, well, he means so much to that room as a leader, um could we you know he is a starter but yeah i don't think anybody's sitting there kind of upset that they made these moves on another subject this is one of those things where maybe i'm the only one who thinks this but in the conversation that kevin warren had with jared payton it was a little more football opiniony than i expected when asked about justin fields and of course he's the president of the team i'm not saying he isn't entitled to give us his football thoughts I was a little surprised that he chose to, sort of like when when, a, when an appellate court decides to take up a case or not. They can very easily not take up the case, and they can just kick it back, and the decision stands. And in this case, Kevin Warren could have said, well, for right now, these football questions, these are Ryan Poles is in full command of everything we are doing from a roster perspective, and he knows that I am always here for him if he has a question, but these are, these are all his decisions. He didn't do that. And I'm not saying his actual opinion itself is, is meaningful. I did think his willingness to discuss football things was significant. Did you? Uh, yeah, Dan, I don't I don't think you're alone in that. I think it's been very hard to gauge where Kevin Warren is at in terms of football decisions. I think he's involved in everything. Um, but then again, you know, I think we, we talked about this a month ago, right? We kind of were wondering if he was going to be the one, he was going to be this wild card that made this drastic change to the football side of things with the coach. And he chose to kind of, he didn't. And that and and things stayed the same at, at the head coaching level. So it, it's kind of this back and forth, and maybe he's still trying to get his feel for what that role is and how football involved he was. But no, I was a little surprised because again, it, we just I just don't know how much how much football he's going to talk. It, it's a it's an odd position because I think when he came in to replace Ted Phillips, there was a lot of nodding like, yes, this makes sense. This guy is very qualified um, for what they need. And had more, you know, had plenty of experience in front offices. So you thought maybe he could be more football minded. The flip side of that is it's not like he, he didn't play football. He's never, you know, he hasn't been a scout. Um, so, you you know, I'm, I remember asking him at his introductory press conference, you, I, I wanted to know, like, what is your role in these football decisions? And, you know, he said he wanted to be a sounding board and he wanted to know, understand everything. And that's fine. I mean, that's his, that's his position. But yeah, Dan, I think it was like, I, 
he's just hard to read. I mean, he's a he's a politician, right? We just it's just really hard to to gather what the motive was with some of those things he said about Justin Fields. I also think that when it comes to Warren's being public right now, it's not just about his leadership. It's not just that he's there. This is what he's doing. It's that the timing of him being public and being in interviews also coincides with what we're seeing happen in the courts. It's recently decided about the tax evaluation, or at least partially. The process is moving along for Arlington Heights. And I think the Bears think that there has to be some some credibility there when it comes to this is the person deciding our future with our venue. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, and again, it goes back to this idea that he's a politician. There's a lot of politicking that goes along with this stadium situation. I think also for all of us, we're just getting used to this because we didn't see this from the former president, right? Right. Like we heard from Ted at the end of the year, and that was pretty much it. And that was the way he liked it. That was the way the Bears liked it. Um, I kind of liked when Ted talked because sometimes he would go off the cuff and you get some really good quotes. He would definitely him. talk about football. Yes. And you know, it's um, so this is different. This is somebody that welcomes the camera, um, you know, welcomes the opportunity to talk. And it's something that we're all just trying to get used to. And we're all trying to read the tea leaves and what it means. But I do think that you kind of hit it there that there is an important stadium decision that he wants to be done this year. And there's a lot of real politicians involved, and he is the Bears politician. He's working behind the scenes and in front of the camera to try to get that all done. When did you say the Waldron availability was? And and within that answer, what is your timetable for heading in toward the combine of the draft? Yeah, Dan, so we're expecting to hear from Shane Waldron and Eric Washington next week, okay. as all things, everything is always fluid with that kind of stuff. And then at the com the next week we're at the combine. It's amazing, you know. This off season, it's two weeks after Super Bowl, and then you're in Indianapolis, and you're right into it. And we'll talk to Ryan Poles there. We'll talk to Matty Brafus there, and then it'll be the Caleb Williams show. Uh, and then we come back, and you get one week before free agency, uh, and and then and then suddenly it's owners meetings and draft time. So it's you know, relax next week for football people because once once the combine starts it's really full go through the draft for all the stuff and obviously the bears are just the center of the nfl universe so that combine will be very interesting to hear what ryan poles says about what if any decisions have been made i'm sure there won't be by the time we talk to him what he's going to be interested in hearing from some of these quarterbacks and as we learned last year the most important conversations that he will have when it comes to trade talks are probably going to take place at the combine so we won't hear those, we won't see those, but that's where that stuff get that that's kind of the origin spot um for for those conversations. I also feel like it's where you know somebody's stock is going to dramatically rise. I'm just trying to figure out who. Yeah, so my lukewarm take Layla is that JJ McCarthy is going to be a top 10 pick and that might not be he's scorching th- this year's Will Levis. Just I mean Josh Lucas, just listen to the way he talked about him. There are a lot of scouts who feel that way. Yeah, I've I've talked to a couple of people who just who are, you know, know this stuff. And, and it seems like he's the type of guy that's going to like blow GMs away uh, when these conversations start and head coaches. I don't I just think the way that Michigan team was built, we never really saw like his full potential as a thrower. He's 21. Um, and yeah, I just think that he's the type of guy that is, that people are going to get, that coaches and GMs are going to get really excited about 
through this process. And I still think he's probably the fourth quarterback, but I could see him being in the top 10. So I could see him in a combine setting where you really don't learn much about what the quarterback's throwing, but you'll start to hear some leaks where you'll find out, oh, he really won so-and-so team over. Um, and, you know, look, and I think we've heard a lot of good things about all. I mean, this is an incredible quarterback class um from both skill level and just you keep hearing things about these guys as people that they're just going to be like Jaden Daniels same thing like I think you're, you're going to hear a lot of good things about him coming off the combine so yeah but but the the guy that I'm very very curious about where he gets drafted is McCarthy Kevin Fishbane great stuff thank you all right take care that's thanks, Kevin, Kevin Fishbane sorry I stepped on you I just said thanks it's okay I know, but still, I shouldn't. I should be, I know that you usually say thanks, and I should be aware of that, but instead I was looking at my promo sheet because the Parkins and Spiegel Show is hosting a QB1 town hall next Wednesday from 2 to 6 p.m. in front of a live studio audience at the Blue Cross Blue Shield Performance Stage. You have a chance to win your way in now. Callers 6, 7, and 8 to the score contest line, 312-540-0670 will have the opportunity to have their voice heard. It matters. It matters deeply. Well, sometimes they're just on the tax line. In the Bears' QB1 debate as the offseason begins, you can also register by visiting 670thescore.com slash contests. That's the QB1 Town Hall with Parkins and Spiegel Wednesday from 2 to 6 p.m. Next up, we'll play Where in the World is Marshall Harris? I believe he's in Glendale at Sox Camp. So we'll talk to him. When we come back on the score, we get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Bernstein and Holmes, your midday destination for Chicago sports talk on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. We mentioned yesterday, I'm not sure to you, but we we're telling people that the, the projections towards your team are not <laughs> very kind. I think Bakota has you 65 and a half wins. Do you pay much attention to that? I don't really until we come we come out with 0.00 chance of making the playoffs, right? And, you know, that motivates the heck out of me. Uh, I know it, I know it's a little bit of a talk in there. It's, it's uh, you know, this is a division that, you know, obviously nobody's scheduled to run away with it. Why not us, right? You want me to answer that, Pedro? Why not you? Because you're terrible. Your team is absolute bottom of the barrel. That's why not you. <laughs> Come on. Don't be an idiot, please. Marshall will appreciate this. The lead-in I wrote yesterday for Mike Berman's story for spring training. I was like, well, last year, they hoped to win the division. Instead, they were one of four teams who lost over 100 games. <laughs> Here's Mike Berman. <laughs> Actually... <laughs> Here's the aforementioned Marshall Harris. He's on Twitter at MHarrisOnAir. Joined us on the Circa Sports Hotline. Download the Circa Sports app today. Twitch.tv slash Chicago 670. The score. You should always check that out as well. Marshall, hello. Good morning, afternoon. I don't know where we are. I guess it's afternoon there, but not quite afternoon here. Uh, but, yeah, I'm at Camelback Ranch. I was there for that uh, 
media availability from uh, one Pedro Grifo who got a little defensive when I asked a simple question of, hey, going back to last year, what did you learn that maybe you can apply? And he's like, we don't look back. We have turned the page. Nobody in that clubhouse is thinking about last year. I know for a fact. I'm like, all right, bro. I was just curious as to maybe as a manager, what, maybe how you were going to squeeze a few more wins out of a team that won 61 games. But, hey, do you? Do well, you? That, that to me is the uh... – like the defiance. He's like nice about it, but he's still kind of being defiant. And it's like, man, you had a team that was supposed to do things last season. And instead, you were one of the most underachieving teams there was. Really, maybe the mo- the most when you consider that the other teams who lost 100 games had intent to do so. And you were one yeah. of the first people who talked about it last year, Marshall. You knew something was right when you were at spring training this time last year. Yeah, I mean... It, I, here's, here's what I know. I, I've covered a lot of good baseball teams, world champion baseball teams. I've covered a lot of bad baseball teams, bottom of the barrel, if you will. And talk is talk until you showed me some action. And, you know, I, I saw the flame out in the playoffs the last time they were there, uh, not getting, you know, anything past the Houston Astros. And I just looked at the roster. I was like, well, if everybody has a big year, then okay. Who had a big year? Luis? Robert Jr.? Both had a big year. Yeah, that's it. Nobody. And, and it's also the fact, too, that the idea of any baseball team making some huge move in either direction is really rare. That right. in, in the history of the game, the best predictor of how you're going to be this year is how you were last year. It just is. These baseball teams don't all of a sudden become good or bad like they do in football. Yeah, this is not a parody-based league. This is a develop your your talent, bring in some free agents, uh, have good starting pitching, have a bullpen, have guys who can hit. Uh, And when you look at the White Sox last year, there was a lot of that lacking in every single facet of the game. That's the thing. It's not like – they were playing these close games to start the season. You remember how last season started. Um, and then you look at what they've done this offseason, and one thing Pedro Grifo was absolutely correct about is it's wide open. There's so many jobs up for grabs right now. You know, the amount of research I've had to do in the last, you know, 48 hours before I left for Arizona, I got out here on Tuesday, just to understand, like, who are these guys? Where did they come from? What's the background? Um, how is the starting lineup going to look? I can't answer those questions. And, like, I was like, it's been a while since I covered a team where I had way more questions than answers. And that's that's where we are with this White Sox team. But, you know, they will put a product on the field uh, come April, and we will see what that looks like. I mean, that's it to me. It's – I don't know why they are – I wouldn't call it lying, but it's just – why the smoke screen? Like, when you're trading – Quality players for a number of minor leaguers or a number of different players, some of them minor leaguers, that would indicate the status of your team. Jerry Reinsdorf acknowledged the rebuild process here, and they keep drawing from the Royals, even though one of Chris Getz's uh, high points was that he was in the organization. But you know what you're seeing, Marshall, and that's and that's that aspect that we discussed. I'm really surprised that, like, more guys aren't here early. Um, I, I mean, obviously, it's, it, hitters report when hitters report Monday. But, you know, none of the guys that you saw last year that are still on the roster as far as position players are here doing things. Now, like, uh, Nicky Lopez, Paul DeYoung, they're here doing their early morning work and 
you know, getting an early acclimation or not. But, you know, the guys I thought might be here um, aren't here yet. So I'm just talking like today I talked to uh, Garrett Crochet, whose velocity, he says he stopped trying to chase the velocity thing. He's not going to be hitting 100 miles per hour. He's like 92 to 94. Um, talk to Michael Kopech. He knows he needs to have, you know, a better season. But he says he's finally healthy and he's been banged up the last few years. Um, I, I, I talked to Jesse Chavez today, who's 40, and has already love said this him. is going to be his last season. I love but, him. Like, but, yeah, but, like, the, the, he knows what it takes to kind of not only make it, but to have some a modicum of success uh, in this league. So I, I just like getting perspectives and trying to understand, okay, what is the mindset here? What are guys talking about? What do they believe? Um, and I think it's going to be an interesting story until the season starts, and then it might be a lot less interesting as far as aesthetically uh, to, to follow the White Sox. But, that, you know, I, I watched the games last year to the bitter end because that's my job. That's what I get paid to do. It was your job. You did get paid to do it. We salute you. But I also want to know <sighs> who's not there. Who have you been looking for who you haven't seen out of the position players? Uh, Andrew Vaughn and, uh, you know, some of these guys that I, I thought would be, you know, primed to, to do something, be middle of the lineup. Like, like, I was trying to construct the lineup and figure out. Um, I don't think Andrew Benintendi's here. Um, I, I, it's, it's, it was very sparse in the uh, clubhouse. I've only been here a couple of days out of the, the time I've been here. I've been over at Cubs. Uh, but, you know, it's just I, I can't wait to see Monday and Tuesday what it looks like over here. Um, and, you know, a lot of that is if they really have, quote, unquote, turned the page on 2023, well, you got a fresh start. You do have that. Um, but what are you going to do with it? And, and it's not so much what are you going to do with it before you say what you're going to do it. What can you do with it? What are you, what are you capable of? So you need to tell question. me that the richest contract in free agent history who signed just a year ago for this team isn't at spring training yet? Uh, I haven't seen him, so I would say no. That's um, I, I could be wrong. I could, I, I could have missed it, I, but um, yeah, I, I, it's fine. Like, I, I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's not here because I asked, is like, is anyone here from starting position players last year already?" And I was told no. So that's hilarious. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> what? I mean, I'm not. I know but it's, it's just early, a few days. Till Monday. But it's have to report till Monday. But it's the message. You got a new GM and you've got a manager that's trying to solidify himself, prove that he can do the job and get got a reprieve and a chance to do it. And these guys are like, yeah, you know, be there when we're there. Yeah, well, it, <laughs> it's funny that you guys say it like that because I'm with you, but I try to see always the other side, the other perspective. And I can't wait to ask, I, I, hey, you showed up on time. That's great. But like, whoa. Why did you not feel the need this year as maybe opposed to last year to show up early? You know? Yeah. Because guys were here early last year. I can that, tell you that. That's it. Yes, exactly. Like when you're at Cubs, and we've had reports from Cubs as well, whole squad is there, it seems like. Everybody's showing up. Yeah, but part of that is, you know, the way their season ended last year, plus a new manager, I think they know, right. you know, we have to be better. And we want to make sure we're going to squeeze every – you know, last uh, piece of this toothpaste out of the tube to make sure because they understand. They here's what they understand: they understand to a man the, the Cubs that were here last year. They understand that they missed the playoffs by a game. You could say two games based on tiebreakers, but it's a 162 game season. They all have regrets about how some or many of those games played out, 
specifically the start of the season, right? So they're, they're like, they're, there won't be that excuse this year. We're here. We're doing whatever is required of us. So I get that from a Cubs perspective. For the White Sox, no one expects them to do anything. Like, no one. The, the, their fan base doesn't expect them to do it. It's going to be one of those, we're going to the ballpark because it's a nice day and it's something to do and there's fireworks or a promotion. Why else are you going to a White Sox game this year and paying your hard-earned money? How visible has Tony LaRusso been? Uh, I know he's around. I have not laid eyes on him in the last uh, in today since I've been here, but I know he is around. Um, I don't know how visible he's been, but I, I mean, there's not that many people here, so I might just be standing somewhere because I came off to the side a little bit where I haven't seen him. Uh, but I haven't seen him yet. But it, he is visible because people have been talking about seeing Tony LaRusso. I know you can't ask these veteran position players this question because they're not there yet, but maybe pitchers. Are you hearing any any complaints about the uniforms? Because that's a big story that's building around the league. So I was just reading about that um, this morning, actually. I, I wasn't familiar with it, but I just, yeah, I, 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 somebody said they look like knockoffs. Um, it's it's uh, very uh, not good. Um, but I don't know, but I'm gonna, that's one of the things I'm going to work on uh, the next couple of days is getting opinions from both the Sox and the Cubs on that. Yeah, it looks um, like even I, the, the letter sizing isn't uniform at all, like uniform being the operative word here. That that's something wait, wait, that you're saying that the really... letters are actually different sizes? I know they're yes. smaller on some uniforms, but you're saying these uniforms this year, one guy might have different letter sizes than another guy? Yes. Oh, that's bad. Yeah, you might want to. I'm curious if you see that yourself because they like put two Mariners jerseys up next to each other, and the name sizes were very different for like a similarly lengthy name, like similar amount of characters. It was it was remarkably different. I haven't seen that, but I'm looking at the back of jerseys right now just to see if I haven't seen that yet. I'm, but I'm literally right now looking at the back of jerseys just to see. A lot of guys have like extra clothes on because. It's a little, not chilly, but it's not warm outside. Um, but, yeah, I, I didn't know that, but now I'm going to be looking for that. I'm definitely looking for that. Um, but, yeah, that, the White Sox, man. I, look, guys, full disclosure. No, no, listen, 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 listen. Hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. Great. I lived in Birmingham, Alabama until I was 10 years old. My earliest memories of baseball in a professional capacity is going to Birmingham Barons games at the Hoover Met. I need you to understand, like, I am a Sox fan, and so, like, it's giving Sacramento Kings, right? Where, like, the owner's like, we are going to try, but, like, ultimately, if you're a Kings fan, you have what you have and be grateful that you have anything. Like, what do they have to do? What do the White Sox have to do? You know? It's giving giving Bulls, hey, what's up? Y'all going to show up to games anyway, right? So as long as we are quote unquote competitive, take that to mean whatever you like. What are you going to do? The TV money's flowing in. Attendance uh, for White Sox that'll be down this year. But like, who's forcing anyone's hand? You know. Oh, and they're going to get a brand new building brand new with, with a bunch of tax yeah. abatements and easements and all of that. So I think that's what they're going to try to keep your focus on when all is said and done. Yeah, it's it's a, it, listen. It's a business, and for years I've been trying to get sports fans working in my capacity to understand when they get upset, when they get all emotionally invested, as, as sports fans are wont to do. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying 
just to keep some perspective, understand you are a mark. They're making money off of you, and you are a mark. Never forget, as a sports fan, you are simply a mark. Marshall Harris, on, on that up, nihilistic, on that upbeat note, we will say uh, enjoy your time out there and look forward to your reporting. Thank you. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks, Marshall. That's Marshall Harris, the CBS Chicago Sports Director. Let's get to the latest on what's going on with this controversy over the MLB unis, because at least one report says now, as we predicted yesterday, the union is getting involved, and this is going to become a larger working issue, workplace issue that is across the league getting a lot of undue attention. That's next on The Score. Bernstein at Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. I've been talking to some of the guys and some of them, I don't want to mention any names, but some of them <laughs> not too happy with the polyester uniforms. How <laughs> so? They get very hot in the polyester. You know, it's not a natural fiber. <laughs> I think they would prefer cotton. And the Yankees take the field. And what is with the Yankees? They look like they're having trouble running. They can't move. It's their uniforms. They're too tight. They've shrunk. <laughs> they're running like penguins. Forget this game. Oh, my God. Mattingly just split his pants. Ah, life imitating art, because apparently there has been actual pants splitting going on, even already among pitchers and catchers, as MLB is cheaped out on the uniforms. We discussed it yesterday, and the latest development is, at least according to Bleacher Report, Major League Baseball's Players Association is now involved after players complained to the union. Good. Yes. That's what your union is for. How can you not think these things through? How can you just not well, care? What are you talking about? They've been boiling the frog with the baseball. That's true. And and this is a, a step beyond that. But the, the baseball is is one thing. If a pitcher says, well, it feels chalky or it feels different. This is it's your clothing. You're an athlete. It's incredibly important that you're, I don't know, not uncomfortable in your team-issued clothing. They're and, testing what the market will bear. And they are. And and this is where you got to push back. Like, I don't think there's going to be a wildcat strike. But I, I'm. we were joking yesterday about everybody doing a, a, a Chris Sale homage. It might be time for something like that. This is what you wear at work. Who told the story? Did you or did Lawrence tell the story about NBA socks? Was it me? That there was some exhibition game that everybody played in, a celebrity game, whatever, and they and they gave out actual NBA team issue socks. And the quality is like, oh my God, I've never worn anything like this in my life. And they wear a pair and they throw them out and they wear another pair. And just the the smallest things. And men, NFL equipment managers, what they do every game, like the unsung heroes, the, the, the difference between a good equipment managing staff and a bad one, what they do to, to customize every bit of armor for these gladiators. And the least you can do for a baseball player is allow them free range of motion. I mean, and that was the, that was the whole Seinfeld joke. It was a it was a plot point that we just played coming out there, and it's happening. I know, and it's the reference that everybody continues to make. As they but should. They should, and 
the amount of sheer laundry that baseball equipment managers have to do, and how do you think the patches get on the jerseys? Those are sewn on. There's so much that goes into managing that side of it so the athletes don't have to think about it. And it's funny that you reference laundry because it's back to the famous Seinfeld line about players move around and we're, we're, we're rooting for laundry. Can we at least root for better quality laundry? We're rooting for cheap laundry now if that's the case. We're rooting for replica jerseys. That doesn't make us feel any better. And, and also, like, the understanding. There was always something special about getting a real jersey. A non, and understanding the difference. Game-worn jersey. Uh, understanding the difference. Like, when you put on a real NHL sweater and it had the, the anchor strip on there, you're like, what? What's this thing? Like, oh, well, that's to snap it down so your jersey doesn't get pulled over your head because people kick your ass out there. And I, have, you ever put on, have you ever put an NFL helmet on? No. It's remarkable. When we just think that they're like these, you know, the, a piece of plastic, like, oh, here, I got a piece of plastic. They're not. They're unbelievably heavy and tight. And it's the, the there's supposed to be that realization when you see that you know an MLB jersey you see how it's stitched and you're like oh or when we'd all wear our Bears replica jerseys around and somebody get a real Bears jersey and the colors completely different and the stitching is different and it's all reinforced you're like this is this is a different animal and the fact that MLB would just be like nah we're just gonna we're just gonna it's it's the same stuff you get, can get at Walmart like that. It to, it's one thing to be a, a fan recognizing that. It's another one. That's their job. Well, and even even the authentic women's apparel is made with that kind of care. The pink. <laughs> My the, the Sox gifted me a Southside women's jersey, the City Edition. That thing is incredibly well made. Like the Velcro closures and the quality of the Velcro, for example, or just how the cut is. Even even on the women's side, there was a brand continuity there. And you just don't find that very often. And that's the just class. It's class that you operate with when you when you see all the details. And that's that's a real shame. I'm glad to see that at least hopefully there's a correction made because that's what needs to happen. When you are working that many games and for that long and you have to have things be Absolutely correct. And we talk about the margins. That absolutely goes to your tools. It's what you have on. It's your cleats. It's your clothing. We talk about performance fabric all the time when we're working out. Why wouldn't it be any different for them? Do we care what Rob Manfred had to say about the uniforms yesterday or no? Because oh, now we oh, sure that guy's sure. retiring anyway because sure. he's having too much fun. Well, let, let's doing pre- nothing. Let's pretend to care even if we okay. Don't. So he said, according to ESPN.com. Oh, we have the audio. Okay. Well, we always pay attention to what people are saying um, uh, about any new initiative. Um, I think you know in baseball, any new initiative, there's going to be some negative feedback. Um, first and most important, uh, th- these are Nike jerseys. I mean, we entered this partnership with Nike because of who they are and the kinds of products that they produce. Um, Everything they've done for us so far has been absolutely 100% successful across the board. Um, The jerseys are different. They're designed to be performance wear as opposed to what has traditionally been worn, so they are going to be different. But they have been tested more extensively than any jersey in any sport. 
the feedback from the All-Star game last year where the jerseys were worn was uniformly positive from the players. So I think after people, you know, wear them a little bit, I think that they're going to be really popular. That is 56 seconds of a commissioner lying through his teeth. He's also just justifying it. He didn't say anything that indicated that they're going to take player opinion into consideration. And that's why you have (laughs) to have a union head. I found something else interesting there, too. Because if you're with Nike, these are Nike-designed fanatics manufactured. So when when the commissioner goes out of his way to apparently shield fanatics, by saying these are Nike jerseys, that puts it on them entirely. And if, if you're with Nike, you're calling him and saying, hey, we didn't make them. We designed them. We came up with the concepts. We did all the testing, maybe even some of the measurements. We didn't sew them. Fanatics did, a company that is famous, infamous for its lack of quality control. So that's what – why would he do that? Why would he spare – fanatics and simply say these are nike jerseys if you're nike that's exactly why he did it because they partnered with fanatics yes of course he's going to spare fanatics he's partnered with nike too and if you're nike and you hear him say that and you see everyone complaining about the poor quality if i was someone with nike i'd be on the phone right away right away be like hey whoa i guarantee you that's what i just said yeah and say, hey, wait, well, hold, hold on a second. Because their standard, but the point I was getting to is because their standard is so much higher. Like, they have a high standard of actual quality athletic wear. They're not going to want their name being associated with this. And Manfred referenced the uh, feedback from the All-Star game last year. I'd love to know just how many players were actually, like, ranting and raving about these this quality of uniforms. This is from the man who brought you the trophy as a hunk of metal. A work stoppage that didn't need to happen. Somebody who clearly only cares about ownership's desires and only certain owners because you can't cheer on the guys who were spending money on their teams. Asking for a piece of metal back. You're having fun though, right? He's having fun. Sounds like he's having a blast, huh? So 219 says, did Nike or Fanatics make the All-Star jerseys? Maybe, I don't know. That's a great question. Maybe Nike designed and manufactured those. And in this case, now they've handed over the manufacturing to a company that's bad at it. This We haven't heard the end of it. We'll keep an eye on it. Put it that way. Next up, the Bulls have hit the break. And they've got no All-Stars. They do have a G League all-star, Adama Sanogo, who's going to be headed to Indianapolis. So mm-hmm. that's pretty cool, I guess, or something. It can be cool. Rising stars often can be better players later. I don't think this is – is it the rising star? It's some other G League recognition of some kind. I don't know exactly what it is. Oh, but... I was meaning rising stars like in general. Oh, not the rising stars game. Not the rising Got stars it. game. Featuring everybody who's given the Bulls problems over the last two years. Three-point field goal, rising star. Albert and Shingoon. Well, that dude. He's he's, he's going to be better than one of those Bulls killers. Oh, yeah. He's, he, yes. he better than that. He real good. So Dan and I will be watching the rising stars game. Well, next up, we're going to be talking about what the Bulls are at the moment. Casey Johnson had some thoughts on why the Levine trade to the Lakers never materialized and what the hell is going on with him after games with Kobe White and these interviews that have become must-see television. We'll discuss next on The Score. Boss.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.